0: Welcome to the Trades Podcast, a podcast about the business of home improvement and promoting the trades to young adults. In this podcast, we talk with business owners, educators, and professionals about the benefits, skills, and related experiences of the home improvement business, tips to help you with being successful from entry into the trades or established business owners. In this podcast, we hope to influence some young adults that the trades as a career is a great option leading to full and prosperous life. I'm Danny Torres, an MC, DJ, and podcaster, inspiring young adults by shining light onto career opportunities in our world today.
1: And I'm Jeff Mudd, home improvement contractor, writer of the Millionaire Carpenter series, and podcaster. Stay tuned to 15 to 20 minutes of insightful
0: tips. Robert, right here, ladies and gentlemen, we're at the Ignite BBB podcast studio. This is the Trades Podcast, and I'm Danny.
1: And I'm Jeff Mudd.
0: And, uh, yeah, we've been just sitting down right here just talking, have a really good conversation with Mark. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is perfect. I mean, just awesome stories, experiences I already see forthcoming that everybody's going to be listening to right now. Uh, but if you could, let us know uh, the company you work for, your position, how many years you've been there, uh, a little background
2: about you as well. So uh, I work for West Coast Specialty Coatings. My, my name is Mark DeZino. And I am a RSM, Regional Sales Manager. So I wear a few different hats for our company. Uh, I do architectural uh, representation. I call on architects. I work on you know, um, submittals for projects, whether it be waterproof decking, uh, uh, resinous coatings, epoxies, um, concrete coatings, stains, sealers, etc. And I move around and I do training seminars, um in the western you know united states typically at our distributors um so we we create sales and so when you know it's, if I'm at a party and someone says hey what do you do for a living it's it depends <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what i'm doing that day You're right yeah. but uh yeah we've been in business 40 years in san diego we are the manufacturer of uh specialty coatings waterproof decking epoxy coatings, stains and sealers and texture coats and it's an acronym on our brand w e s t so everything is set up in that fashion. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. I've I've
1: heard all that. Actually, I was in business, God, early 80s, I think, and Paul had a pebble company for driveways. Pacific Pebbles. It was. Yeah. And um, that was probably a challenge for him at the time. So he's come a, a long, long way. Of, uh, super impressed with his uh business skills he's had over the years so and just heads up for anybody not uh understanding met mark at one of his training sessions because in my uh, home repair company we do deck coatings and these guys wouldn't listen to me for two years finally met mark and he's like i'll show them let's set it up over here at the lumber store and i'll show them and he did that and that's we only use west coast products now all the other products are gone.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So. I mean, we were just talking about some of those demos that you were
2: driving around early in your early days, right? With with oh, your, yeah. With your uh, two buddies that you had hired from back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Driving around uh, all over California and Southern Nevada in a, in a U-Haul truck going from distributor to distributor, kind of like a mobile mash unit. Mm-hmm. We come in, set up, and, uh, you know, do a demo on any... You know, particular aspect of the products that we make. And then, because that's important. You have to teach the assembly. You have to show, you know, contractors, you know, the right way of putting this product down per specification. Mm-hmm. So, you know, m- my dad's an ophthalmologist and he would read two, three newspapers a day and he, he, he really understands and digests things by literal means. Well, not everybody in the trade's, does, myself included. But if I watch someone put together an Adirondack chair, build it, I can go home and build that chair. So my brain works in that way. You know, if I see something tangible, I can really digest that easily and then be able to reproduce it. And so that's how we we teach. We teach our trainings, and you yeah. were part of that, and all your guys were a part yeah, of
1: that. A lot of guys in the trades learn that way. They need to be able to see it done, and if you can add on being able to use their hands and involve them, it's one of the things I really liked about the training you put on. Is like you know, you guys think you know what you're doing. Get out here and show me. Staple down that mesh, you know. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and some, some of the of
2: agendas th- to make it look easy, and but we've worked hard on our trainings. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I always have um, someone with me and we're supposed to stay in tandem. You know, as I'm talking, reiterating the specifications, it's being done in front of you. So you're getting, you know, this audio, you know, of how this should be installed. This, the metal lash should be overlapped an inch and a half and stapled down at uh, 16 to 20 staples per square foot as he's doing this work. So we spent a lot of time, you know, working on that, that process. Your little dog
1: and pony show,
2: huh? Yeah. <laughs> yep. We've done it many, many, many yep. times. Right.
0: Yeah, where you have a, a certain routine of, uh, you know, where you already are expecting the s- same questions that you might get from another uh, supplier or another demo that you do in one region yep. to another. Yeah. And you're just constantly improving on those sales tactics of, you know, sales but the demonstration yeah. tactics on the demo side of things.
2: Right. And that's another aspect is how we start our our training seminars is I do start talking about sales. And I encourage salespeople, estimators, and architects, construction management companies, consultants to come to our demos. And um, we invite them all because there's so much to be learned. And case in point with your company, what we did is a, a secondary training in the office. And it was more of a presentation uh, in our conference room, right? Uh, PowerPoint and talking about, hey, well, this, is, this is how you sell this stuff. Because nothing's going to start without a sale, right? And I was coaxed into sales um, by the president of West Coast, Paul Corey, many years ago. And we laugh about this today. But he was like, you need to go into sales. I was like, no, no. No, I, I like what I'm doing. I'm installation management. I, I'm seeing all the guys and all the jobs every day. And so that went on for two years, this, this, you know, rallying back and forth. You need to go in sales. No, I'm not going to sales. I don't even like salesmen. And he basically said, okay, so you're, you're going to start doing sales. Or there's no, no job for you. <laughs> so I went into sales. And um, it was a tough road to hoe for me because, uh, you know, I wanted to be liked by everybody, but not everybody's going to like you. Or you're, you're going to deal with rejection. And that's this saying: is you can't take this rejection personally. And I always did. And I always like you've got to be kidding me. Why didn't he use my stuff? Why didn't this? Why, I, I yeah, thought I, I did everything right.
1: I, I laid I the whole process out for him. He's an idiot yeah. if he can't tell this, that this is the best
2: product <laughs> out there. Yeah, right. I and, just I didn't want to be a good conversation for an hour and a half to two hours. Um, and honestly, when I I would take it personally, I think it made me better. I think it made me sharper uh you know uh, and you learn a lot by being rejected uh, the answer is no when you thought oh, this is going to be great i'll come tomorrow i talked myself out of a sale one time in north county here in san diego and it was a substantial size job and i had both a husband and wife a res- single family home residential and we were doing um pebble and epoxy this is so this goes back a lot of years yeah i was so confident we had so much in common and they said, well, you know, we, could, we can get this signed right now. And when could you start? They said that to me. And as a sales guy, I said, well, you, you mentioned you have someone else coming in after me this afternoon. I'll tell you what. Why don't you get his you know numbers and talk to him, and, and I'll follow up with you guys tomorrow, I, which was a huge mistake. So I followed up on the next day, and, and they said, well, we went ahead and signed the contract with the gentleman that came after you. <laughs> and I I went, oh, my goodness, man. Did I – did I screw that up? So um, I will never do that again. I will always let people sign when they want to sign, right. and almost kick me out. You're going to have to ask me to leave, right? And not in, a, in an arrogant way, but it's like I'm not I'm not leaving until you really say no to me. Yeah.
1: Well, that's part of the sale the sales process. You've spent some time with the customer. You've given them. You know, all the benefits, how it's going to apply to them. you built some rapport and all that. And then you're going to walk away when it says, when it's time to say, well, do you want to sign here? You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. Yeah, well, I did that. So, yeah. And that's, that's a tough one to, for a, a lot of guys that, that are salespeople when they're first starting is how do I ask, how do I close that, that final step yeah. is, is tough for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So,
2: yeah. So I, I, I speak to, that sales aspect in that process when we have gaps in trainings or when I'm introducing and when I'm closing a training, a training that we do typically takes two uh, to three hours. Um, so we set up our trainings to be specific, you know, towards waterproof deck coatings or uh, epoxy floor systems, resinous coatings. And we'll, we'll show thin film systems, you know, the epoxy, Systems are, you know, light-duty, medium-duty, and heavy-duty, and, and cove base, And so, you know, they're, they're separate contractors for the most part. You know, contractors that are doing epoxy work, and um, there's contractors are doing waterproof deck coating work, and then there's contractors that are doing concrete coatings, mm-hmm. right? And so we set up our trainings. They're all West Coat trainings, and they're all done, you know, um, by the same person, depending on where they are in the country. but. It's it's too much information sometimes. We used to do trainings. We'd have you know, 80 to 150 contractors come to our office here in San Diego, and we would be talking so rapidly, so fast, that we'd cover waterproofing epoxy, stains and sealers, stamp overlays, concrete coatings, and people's heads would spin. Yeah. Right? And it wasn't you know. working well. We knew we needed to refine the information that we were providing and be... A Little more concise on one specific aspect of what we do,
1: yeah, instead of shotgun approaching everybody that's a contractor that might use your product, right you, you have to dial it in and, and sharpshoot the uh, the product they normally want to use and sell and don't tell them about all the other stuff right yeah
0: I mean this is like super interesting with the info of like you know you being the regional sales manager and how you started you know it was back in 1989 (laughs) 1989 back in 89 and uh you know with your experience that you have and being with west coat um you you must have a obviously a huge um sales group sales group
2: sales team Uh, so how many how many employees do you have right now Well, employees, I think, I I think we have uh, almost 70 employees. Um, And so, but that's, that's uh, office staff, that's manufacturing. We just had our uh, national sales meeting last week. So we had all the reps come uh, throughout the country um, into San Diego and we put on a, you know, a sales meeting through the week and all the, all the updates, we go over all the sales numbers, where we're at and we're, you know, and how we're, we're what kind of start we're off to. And we bring them the new information and hopefully everybody leaves pumped up, ready to go. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the reps throughout the country, I think we have um, you know, five different sales reps in California alone. And we like to set up representation uh, kind of as a, a two-pronged approach in every region. Mm-hmm. We'll have uh, an architectural rep and then we'll have field rep or what we say, someone in the trenches. So when these jobs get going, they like to see someone on the job, right? And we're walking jobs with our approved applicators and kind of giving our blessing as to the, and we'll do an observation report in writing. Everything appears to be being applied per West Coast specification. So we like to have a two-pronged approach because we can have someone in slacks calling on architects, doing lunch and learns, doing wine and cheese events or donuts and coffee, and, you know, really raising the the brand recognition to the specifiers, to paint with a broad brush, right? Uh, Anybody that works in the specification world or design specifications. And then we have someone in the trenches. They're typically um, two very different jobs, right? And so in San Diego, just because the amount of time I've been doing this, I'm, I'm doing both. Right. Right. So I, I do all the lunch presentations and calling on the architects and handling. bring your red pen in here. We need to go over some of the details on this, whether it be new construction or reconstruction, we go after both.
1: Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I asked uh, Mark to come on to the podcast is yes, he's in a manufacturing uh, realm, but his integration and daily He's working with contractors. So got a few questions for you in that realm for you, Mark. When you're working with the contractors, you've built some relationships, you've seen them grow problems, excel, you know, be successful in the looking at the contracting world. Is it a good industry to be involved
2: in? I think so. Um, I've always liked, Uh, you know, this, this particular industry, I mean, let's face it. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a pro baseball player. I didn't say I want to be, you know, the, you know, the, the specialty coatings business. I can't wait to be in the specialty (laughs) coatings business, but, um, I've always, uh, I've always, uh, seeked information when there was a chance to, certified with a company and sign up and you got to spend two days, you know, for two different weekends in in you know, Los Angeles, uh, sometimes I was the only person that signed up and it put me in a, in a different position, you know, uh, that I didn't know I was going to be in going, getting this knowledge. So I, I like this business. It's, it's work, but I, I don't mind the work. Right.
0: Yeah well i mean and that's that's got to be like a sense of fulfillment that it's already that's brought you to the point where you're at today
2: mm-hmm. so it's, um i think it's worth getting into but it's it's uh something that you know you know mom or dad's not there at the side of the bed kicking it saying time to get up go to school you got to get up and so over the years i'm up earlier and earlier <laughs> and earlier, and I get up typically at five, so I can have a cup of coffee in the dark before everybody else gets up, and the, the emails and phone calls start coming in. But I take a lot of pride in the projects that we are able to track and you see uh, completed mm-hmm. right, and then you're working with the contractors and you see the relationships develop, and they're happy that you answer your phone they're happy that they have someone that they can call that is going to stand by their side or, or, or support them in you know, challenging, you know, situations. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That, that's one thing West Coast is really good at is um, be, being there when you have technical needs and problem solving and uh, how do we get past this hump uh, on some of the challenges. But you mentioned, and this is one of the things we've talked about in the past. So you've gone out on some really big projects and, Years later, you drive by that, and the wife's in the car, and, hey, I did that yeah. project, and she's like, yeah, honey, great she's job. She's tired of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still a sense of pride for you that you were involved in that to some degree, and you see that uh, over and over in the, the trades, that people have worked on projects. There's a sense of pride, and, you know, decades later, they can drive
2: by a project going, yeah, I helped build that. Yeah. Yeah, my kids actually think I built the building when I go, you know, it's, it's this project right here, <laughs> you know, in La Jolla. Yeah. I, I, I wrote the specs on that with, you know, one of the architects here in San Diego, and I happened to meet one of my best approved applicators because he actually captured that project, and I didn't know him. Then I developed a relationship with him. That was, you know, 15 years ago. So I pointed at the building, and now every time we drive by there, my my son goes, that's your building, right, Dad? I, well, it, Very small sliver of it. (laughs) Something I worked on, but yeah,
0: I'm sure there was a signature in there somewhere where you where you contributed to it. Thumbprint. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and and that's that's a big part of the trades that we've continuously. I mean, I've continuously heard those stories from Jeff and from everybody on the on the store on on the podcast. Is just the being able to drive by a building and just know and uh, you know recognize that and say I had a had a part of that. I would. I'd love to be in that industry and to claim that I was a
2: part of that, that project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Along with all the relationships, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, it's uh, the longer I'm in this business, the more narrow the hallway of human beings becomes. As you mentioned a different human being. It's like, you know what? I know him, which has large benefits. Uh, dealing with a contractor right now, who's you know dealing with a certain project, and it went through, um, you know, there's RFI, and I said, well, who's the architect? And I said, they mentioned the particular architect, and I go, oh, I know him, and I was in their office last week. How about I stop by tomorrow? I'm like, oh my gosh, that that would be really helpful because we're you know we got a little hiccup, and you know how they're understanding what we propose to do. So we can iron this out because all the years of doing this, where you actually are introducing yourself and doing the work, right? You're, you're doing the work. And then they know that you're someone that is going to have value. That's, that's, that's the bottom line is creating uh, the aspect of value to the workload. Mm -hmm. And if you have that, keep showing up, it's, Something I always say to anybody that I'm working with or or speaking to in in the rep world is keep showing up. You must keep showing up. Yeah.
1: That applies to a a lot of different things in your uh, work life. I mean, to build relationships so that you can further the brand that you're representing. But as you keep showing up, the relationships you're building with people go at least in, for my experience, maybe might be a little different for you, for you Mark, but um, as you build relationships with people within the industry, because you keep showing up that transfers out of work in, into friendships and, you know, um, people that you can count on for other things in life. Yeah. The, the camaraderie is, yeah. is,
2: well, that's been a big plus. That's been something that, um, you know, I really enjoy my job. Again, I didn't grow up wanting to to be this <laughs> this position, but I really like my job. I drive around, uh, I talk to people that you know I've been working with for years. Uh, everybody knows about me and my family, my sons, you know, yeah. and everything that's going on with me, mm-hmm. and and vice versa. And you end up really caring about the people that you're working with, right? And uh, we, we focus on sustaining those relationships. And if you have those relationships long enough, most likely there's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some speed bumps. There's going to be something that's not working right. It's not, we're not happy. Or the client need, demands to talk to you. Okay, I'll be there. How about Wednesday morning, 8 o'clock? Oh, great. And, you know, you will help find solutions to the challenge. Right? And they're, they're very grateful for that. People realize who they want to do business with based on some of this work, right? The development of those relationships over time.
1: Uh, absolutely, yeah. And you make a, a really a silent point right there that I want to make sure everybody understands that when you have challenges in life, you can either run from them and hope they go away, and they usually don't. They just become silent thorns that will haunt you. Or you can be upfront, Mm -hmm. head-on, let's challenge it, find out what the problem is, and find a solution. And people, when you have that uh, good attitude about handling things, really appreciate it, and it cements your relationship with them even farther.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there can be panic, you know, and we get it. I call it, you know, big brother, little brother syndrome, is if a contractor calls one of the subcontractors and he's not happy about whatever situation – You need to be doing this, getting out here, getting this done. So big brother just punched him. And so what does little brother do? He turns around and punches baby brother because he he doesn't know how to engage and, you know, push back on big brother. So he calls a lot of times it's me. Hey, we need to get out there. We need to do this. He is angry. He is not happy with us. And I go, hold on, tap the brakes a little bit. Yeah. Have you seen the job? Well, no, he just called and he's pissed. Well, wait a minute. You, You need to go look at the job. You know, and I'm happy to go with you. I'm not going without you. We can go together, but hold on, you know. So there's a process to having difficult conversations. A lot of people haven't been involved in that type of difficult dialogue where sometimes you got to say what you know the person you're doing business with may not want to hear, but it's, we got to be realistic. It's like, I'm not able to do what you're asking me to do. This is what I can do. You know, follow it up with a solution. Yeah. Instead of turning around, and, I just got punched. I want to go punch someone else, and it's going to be the the manufacturer. <laughs> that, you know, hopefully, there's a better way of solving that problem, right? Yeah.
1: And usually, when it uh, comes back to you, it's like you can go back to the specs and the, the processes, and it's like, okay, did you do step one? Did you do step, ah, there's the problem. So yeah. then you got to help them find a solution for it.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, over the years, uh, you know, I, I, I read a lot, and my wife always gives me a hard time because whenever we're in an airport, we fly a lot, and so I'm always buying these little sales books, and they're great. They're great for sales, and I can read them in one flight. But, uh, you know, the, the art of negotiation is, you know, how do you get the person on the other side of the table to give you what you want? Mm-hmm. First thing that I've learned to do is to get on their side of the table get out in front of the problem and look at it from his perspective or her perspective and you go, you know what? Yeah. If I was in your shoes, I I'd be, I'd be angry too. However, (laughs) this is what we can do. Right. But you first have to really be empathetic to why someone's not happy. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's a better way of, you know, uh, handling that situation rather than stiff arming someone. Now we're going to, you know, yeah. If you yeah, argue if, about it.
1: Yeah, if two two people are being defensive, then you're gonna be very hard to yeah to come together to solve a problem. Right. Good stuff, Mark. Good stuff.
0: Yeah, and, and, and something out of that too, where you mentioned, um, you know, how early you get up, you know, how hard working that you've you know, a lot of work that you put into the years of, of of your job and the profession and the industry, um, there's a sense of a work life balance that I feel like you have a pretty good understanding of if you could kind of talk a little bit more
2: about your, your definition of work life balance. So, um, it's, it's interesting, um, to separate, you know, family from work. I know people that my phone gets shut off at five o'clock and, um, I've tried that, uh, you know, when I'm on vacation, I never answer my phone. I've tried that. Um, I don't, I don't always do that. So, uh, you know, I handle Hawaii for instance, the three hours behind me. So my family is used to me taking phone calls to eight o'clock at night, you know, nine o'clock at night. And, um, who are you talking to dad? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's really, um, something that I find, uh, works for me. And, you know, when I went from the field, cause I started in the field, then I went into installation management, then I went into sales and, and just up from there, and you know, um I've learned that there's a there's times where I'll be driving to different territories. I handle um, Las Vegas, for instance. So I get up at you know three thirty in the morning. I'm on the road at four, four fifteen, with a cup of coffee, because sometimes two cups of coffee. <laughs> um, and that's something that people don't see in a in a typical you know forty hour work week. And I'll work. Um, all day that day, stay the night, all day the next day, stay the night, all day the next day, and then I'll drive home, leaving, you know, that area at, you know, 5, 6 o'clock, and I'm getting home at, you know, 11 and midnight. So there are that's, that's workload, right? And when I'm in the field, then I have, you know, desk time. And so when I get back from a trip, I usually have the next day scheduled, um, you know, for – you know all computer work and emails and emails can can build up. If I'm gone for a week, like I was two weeks ago, um, out of state, I, I come back and I have two or three days that I'm in front of my computer. And I, I I don't schedule myself on site. You know, if I do, I try and keep it local so I can get in and out because you can drown. It feels like quicksand. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in emails and phone calls. So. Um, I my my family has um a a real good understanding of what I do, but all these books, like the books I I read, they pertain to my my personal life, my my kids, how I'm raising my kids, um my my marriage, you know, we talk about uh, you know, um work together. It's 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 something that we've kinda, you know, grown to. It's like the, the ivy sticking to the house you know, as it, as it ages. And so, um, and the relationship I have with the people that I work with is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. You know, I have absolutely the best team that I've ever worked with, that I've ever seen, um, today in, in our, in our Westcott office. And we know everybody, we know their families, we know their spouses and we get together. I mean, it's wonderful. So you pull this in and, and work should be great. Work should be fun. If it's not, you know, they say, you know, you're in the wrong job, or you know, you're doing something wrong. Quit, you know, go nomad across the country and (laughs) camp. But uh, you know, it's it's not for me. I'm very very fortunate.
0: Absolutely. Very good.
2: Yeah, and and I mean, that's that just I think it gives a lot of uh,
0: background and you know, really good information for anybody that's listening to the podcast, I think to just take to take to mind that the industries of the trades, I mean, it's a, it's a vast majority of so many different routes you can go into, um, where you were super hands on in the beginning and then you moved your way into the sales department because it was approached to you. Right. And pretty heavily, like you mentioned. Yeah. And you, and you took it on. Um, but if, if it was something that you can tell everybody that may be listening to the trades podcast, um, What is it about the trades industry specifically say on the coding side of things that they can, um,
2: they can really get out of it. Well, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I started learning about, um, roofing, uh, right out of school because I wanted to make more money than a lot of my friends. And so I was, you know, I started looking at, um, you know, concrete finishers back back then they were making what, three hundred dollars a day. And, you know, I remember I was working minimum wage. It had to be, you know, three thirty five an hour. <laughs> so um and then, you know, <clears throat> you get into the trades and I was making more money. And I was always acutely aware of what I desired, which was something better than that. Um, we're there was there was a project here in La Jolla that's still there. Um, uh, right next to uh, Interstate 5 and we're um, you know sheeting these roofs and, and shingling these roofs and we were going as fast as we could so we wanted to make $300 a day and I remember this one guy driving the forklift and he was like this is my 50th birthday today and I'm looking at him and I'm like and he's out here driving the forklift and he's probably not making as much money as I am And I'm like, I cannot be that guy. I just, I knew I am not going to let myself be that guy. So um, we were working for uh, a company here out of La Mesa, um, a roof and deck company. And um, this had to be 1988. And I was was young. And uh, I was like, I'm going to pursue this industry as hard as I can. And, And I was following the income, the money. And I was looking at this, this individual who was making more than me. And I was like, how do I do what he's doing? He get in, I I started um, learning about coatings, you know, fluid applied coatings and how to waterproof decks. And I was interested in it. I was like, this is no one else is doing this. And I can do this. I, I, you know, same type of perimeter flashing details, which I knew how to do. I can cut flashing and and fasten flashing and not put the seams in the wrong place. And I can, you know, put the sealant. I, this is easy. (laughs) So we started getting into decks. And, and from there, uh, 1989, we were putting pebble and epoxy on waterproof deck coatings. And I was like, well, this is cool. This is right up my alley. That's how I landed at Pacific Pebbles, which is now West Coast. And so um, everything kind of migrated from there, and it, and it morphed. The, the industry has changed dramatically. I always took pride in when I'd finish a particular job, I'd stand there for a second, and I'd look at it. This, this is really nice. This came out good. And I would hire, uh, you know, I would hire friends and sometimes family to help me do some of this work. And they would look at me like, what are you looking at? Let's go, man. It's getting dark. And I'm hungry. And I'm like, I'm looking at what we just finished. You know, I'm I'm just, I'm happy, man. I'm happy with what we just finished. And that's a good looking thing. Yeah. So I've always been like that. <clears throat> and so um, now I have a whole new perspective looking at buildings as we drive by. We did, you know, 60,000 square feet at the Honolulu Airport, all the uh, critical waterproofing over the terminals. So every time I fly into – you know, uh, Oahu, I make sure I go out of my way to go look at the work that was finished five years ago. Mm -hmm. And it looks great. It's intact. I tell people about it and yeah, there's a lot of pride in, you know, having gone from little small decks with fluid applied and sand finished and taking pride in that to taking pride into 60,000 feet of, you know, waterproofing that we worked with, you know, a forensic architect on Mm -hmm. that it had to be, had to be perfect. So, um yeah, I take a lot of pride in this stuff, and I think um the trades aren't for everybody, right my son I, um my my older son Riley, uh got into this business here in San Diego, and I kind of shaked my head I was like it's it's work, man, you know it's it's a lot of work, you're going to cut your knuckles and yeah. but you know, but the, but that work
1: builds character, yeah. Oh, yeah puts money in your pocket, and you're a perfect example of. Whatever trade you get into, you are not stuck at the bottom doing that trade for the rest of your life unless you choose to because it's full of opportunities. Right. So your base knowledge that you had with the roofing and then the, the pebble ceiling uh, epoxy applications yep. has taken you to a highly respected uh, West Coast industry or uh, manufacturer Saw you to travel the western United States. You've met a lot of great people. Hopefully, you're you're uh, um got a, an extra plan out of this. You know, Paul's treating you good, you know, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, it's it's an example of it. The trades is just the beginning of the opportunity, yeah. And you, you got to start though.
2: That's the key, there's always been opportunity. Um, and that I've always done whatever I can to take advantage of that. Awesome. You know, that's 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 put me in, in the seat that I'm in. Fantastic. Well, it's
1: been such a pleasure having you on, Mark. I really appreciate you coming down.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you right here.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we've been uh, recording here at the Ignite BBB podcast studio. Uh, Mark, if you could, if anybody's looking to jump into the industry with West Cope uh, or just trying to reach out to you to get some more information about your position experience if you're willing to if you could yeah um let everybody know how we can reach
2: out to you so um you can start with uh, our website uh which is just westcoat.com and it's not west coast it's uh west coat w-e-s-t-c-o-a-t.com you can communicate to uh, me personally through there um, it's mark.dezino at westcoat.com, and that email is on my website uh, but getting into any of this, the, the, the first thing that we get asked is, uh, you know, how can I get trained with any manufacturer? Look on the website. Um, we do trainings all the time. Uh, the silver lining to COVID was that we started doing virtual uh, demos on waterproof deck coatings. We started doing virtual demos on epoxies and concrete stains and sealers and and concrete coatings. Mm-hmm. And they're all available on our website.
1: Yeah, it's a fantastic website. There. It's yeah. full of resources. So. It,
2: it really
0: is. And we're definitely going to share it all on the platform. So uh, be sure to uh, check it out. Reach out to MarkWestcoat.com, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again, Mark. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. This is fun.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Glad you could make it down here, Mark.